As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Did you know your clients decide between day zero and 90 of joining your program if they are going to stay or exit a program? This is a really big deal, especially if you're running a program in the coaching or education or e-learning space that is a a six-month program, a nine-month program. A lot of people are running 12-month-long programs, no matter the length of the program that your client is signing up for, they are assessing whether or not they are going to stay engaged in your program, participate, and then whether or not they're going to renew for another iteration of your program or buy something else from you so early in the game, which means your onboarding process has to be on point. You know, the onboarding process of your programs really is the make or break moment in your program. A lot of people try to win their clients back the closer they get to the program being over because they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I want like half my clients to renew in the program before I open the doors to sell it to the public so that I know I have it 50% full. You know, what do we have to do to win our clients back so that they renew? It is so much harder to win your clients back at the end of a program. It's not enough to wait until the moment when you have a one-on-one conversation with them about renewing or buying something else from you. It's not enough to wait until the last month or the last week of their contract, of the program that they're in, and thinking that just because I gave them all this incredible value, they're going to buy from me again. Because the truth is, your clients are not buying from you again based on the past or only based on not they're not going to buy from you again only based on the past value they have received from you in the program they are currently in they're going to buy from you based on the promise of future value they are going to receive from you that onboarding process is so important because it's it sticks in your client's mind It really is the first impression they have of you as their service provider, as their consultant, as their coach, as their strategic advisor, as their mentor. You know, the relationship really does change when a person goes from being a lead and a prospect, they haven't purchased anything from you yet, they're assessing you, they're watching videos, they're trying to figure out if they jive with you, if you have similar beliefs and values, if you're promising a solution to the problem that they currently have, they're assessing all those things. And some people are making really quick decisions. Other people, they're watching you for months or even years before they finally buy. And when they buy from you, as soon as that credit card goes through, the relationship completely changes. And they look at you in a completely different way now. 
immediately. It happens immediately. And immediately, it's almost like they don't trust you all over again. So you built all this trust at the mar- at the level of marketing and sales and nurturing this lead or this prospect. And now you've got to rebuild their trust all over again. So in today's show, we're going to dive into pretty extensive training here on designing an onboarding process that sets your clients up for success and allows you to scale your business. You know, there's there's really three things that are incredibly important in order for your client to make a decision to buy from you again. And those three, three things that they're assessing are, number one, did I receive the results that I desired? Not just a result, but the result I desired. Was I satisfied with the program? Do I have a high level, like a score of a nine or a 10 out of a one to 10 on a scale of one to 10? Is my Am I scoring this program of a level nine or a level 10? And did I have a level nine, level 10 experience in the program? And experience is so important because someone could get results, they could be satisfied, but not actually have a great experience interacting with your program. Feeling truly is the answer. Your clients are going to stay in a program or leave a program or you know your ecosystem, stay in your ecosystem or leave your ecosystem based on how they feel. So how do you want your clients to feel? How do you want your clients to feel during the onboarding phase? I was in a $50,000 program. It was a year-long mastermind. This was a little while ago. And I never really got a grasp or ever really felt like I was in the right place, mostly because I didn't feel a sense of belonging. I felt like I belonged among the other business owners, but I didn't feel a sense of connectedness, a sense of friendship, or a sense of camaraderie. So I felt like I belonged in terms of where I was at in my business journey, you know, the length of time, my level of experience, my caliber of expertise, what I've produced up until that point. I felt like I belonged. I was in the right place because I was surrounded by people who were at at the same level or further along than I was. But what wasn't cultivated by the leadership or the owner of the company was a true sense of connectedness, friendship, and camaraderie. It was never really created or facilitated from day one. So, you know, do you want your clients to, what do you want your clients to feel? And answer that question. Do you want your clients, as soon as they join your program, do you want them to feel certainty? Do you want them to feel confidence, clarity, belongingness, expansion, love, trust? Be able to identify that feeling. And then your onboarding process, which is not just the welcome email they receive after they purchase, it's not just your orientation call. Your onboarding process is an entire sequence of events. It is an event or a phase of an entire sequence of other smaller events. And you've got to build that particular feeling that you want them to feel. So decide what that is early on. I do a lot of work with business owners, primarily in the coaching, e-learning, and education spaces. 
And most of the clients that I work with now are generating between one and three million a year. They have rapidly grown. And because they've experienced rapid growth, a lot of things that they did in the past that worked in the past are starting to break down and things are not as smooth as they once were. They have more clients than they've ever had. They have more team than they have ever had. And some processes and systems, it's just becoming very glaringly obvious that some things are are starting to break and crumble and they feel like they're kind of losing control and losing a grasp. And they really feel like they're losing a grasp on knowing what's going on with all of their clients because they have more clients now. Maybe they have put some team members in place, whether it's associate coaches or program directors, program managers, community managers, who are interacting a lot with the clients, but maybe the business owner isn't interacting with the clients as much. And so they, they just feel like they don't really know what's going on. But one of the things that I come in and do as a consultant, I perform an entire audit on my clients' businesses from end to end. And I also interview their clients. And for one particular client, I was even doing their exit interviews. And so I want to share some things that I hear clients saying. And I compiled, you know, I've done this quite a bit for businesses. So this doesn't just come from one person's business. This is talking to a lot of people's clients. So the things that clients are saying they really love. And and this is often coming from people I'm talking to who are not, they've decided not to renew. They love the leader and the business owner. They love the team. They love the leader style of coaching. They love in-person retreats and events. And they love one-on-one support when they have a problem that needs solved. What they do not like and the things that are causing them to make the decision to then not renew or stay in the ecosystem They feel that guidance is reactive, not proactive, which means they're only getting support if they are, you know, waving a white flag like, I've got a problem. I need your help right now. They feel that there's a lack of call and program structure. They feel that there's no follow up on accountability components that are already part of the program. So there might be accountability structures in place, but then there's no follow up or follow through on what the clients are saying in terms of whatever that person is using for accountability or onboarding experience. There's no real connection inside of the Facebook group or for community. So there's a Facebook group, but they don't really feel a sense of community. They don't really like the membership portal with all the videos and trainings. They think it's very disorganized. They don't know what they should be looking at when. There isn't enough actionable instruction and they are not getting the most out of the program. And if clients aren't using enough elements of a program, they're not going to see the value. And if they don't see the value, more than likely, they're not going to renew or stay in your ecosystem. Here are the top three mistakes that I see around onboarding. Number one, there is no onboarding strategy. You have to look at onboarding like it is an entire event with a beginning, a middle, and an end. How will you know when your clients are at each stage of the onboarding process? Number two, the second mistake is treating all clients the same. Not all clients feel the same way, nor do they value the same thing, nor do they have the same goals or reasons why they have certain goals. And mistake number three is no feedback collected from clients. Collect feedback from clients early on. The first time you want to collect feedback from your clients is at the end 
of the onboarding process because you still have plenty of time to correct the client experience. Remember, the onboarding process is an integral part of the entire client experience. You can't wait until the end of the program to try to make this person think that you've provided them with an incredible experience. But if they do feel a little bit jaded in the first 30 days of the program, that's six months, nine months, or a year, you still have a whole lot of time to turn things around. So you need to figure that out fast. It's really important to maintain congruency throughout the entire client experience. Many clients have the following experience. I want to kind of lay this out and give an example. I was told this, I was told XYZ about the person from a friend. The leader said this about the program and promised ABC and XYZ. I still feel like I'm spinning. I'm on a hamster wheel. So now I feel like the experience of the program isn't the same picture that was painted for me in the marketing or sales. So it's very important that your client experience and your onboarding process, so the whole entire client experience, is even better than how you made yourself look and sound at the level of when people found out about you and observed you and experienced you in your marketing and in your sales. And so most people are very, very let down when they join a group program, a coaching program, you know, any type of education or e-learning program because their expectations were built so high by the leader of the company in all their marketing efforts, all their free content, their videos, their stories, master classes that they went to, launches that this person attended. And in the sales conversation, they were just told, you know, whatever they were told. And it was just built up to be this magnificent thing. And if this person didn't join, then all this stuff was going to fall apart in their lives. And all the answers are going to be inside this program. Then they get inside the program and they do not feel that the caliber of the delivery of the client experience or the delivery of the program is on par with what they were actually promised or what they were led to believe in marketing and sales. And that is the fastest way to ruin your reputation as a service provider. You set the expectation. You are the one who sets the expectation in the mind of the client. So if you're going to build up the expectation inside of your prospect's mind in marketing and sales, then you better you better exceed that expectation in your program or product delivery. So I want to go through each one of these three mistakes that I've just shared Number one, no onboarding strategy. Number two, treating all clients the same. And number three, no feedback collected from clients. I want to go through each one of these and give you the positive opposite of that so you don't make these same mistakes. So we're going to go, we're going to start with number one from no onboarding strategy to creating an onboarding strategy. So uh, there's a book that I love. Uh, it's written by Joey Coleman. I think it's called, it's called Never Lose, a, Never Lose Another Customer Again. And Joey Coleman uh, shares about eight different phases of the customer journey inside of his book. There's eight of them. And I'm going to share with you what those are really quickly. And then I'm going to I'm going to explain each one of them in just a, just a minute. Number one, so here's the eight phases. Assess, admit, affirm, activate, acclimate, accomplish, adopt, and advocate. 
Your clients must be guided through each one of those phases or they will get stuck. So first, your client assesses whether or not they have a problem. They're assessing themselves. They're assessing their current situation and circumstance. Then they admit they have a problem. Then they affirm, I'm going to do something about it. Then they, so they buy. Then they are activated. Then they have to acclimate to your way of doing things. Then they accomplish their initial goal. Then they adopt your entire way of doing things, your entire brand, everything that you're all about. Then they become one of your greatest advocates. Remember, you're the leader. And just because most of us, all of us are probably leading adults, we have adult clients, it doesn't mean that those adults are going to show up and know how to get the most out of a program. Not everybody who joins your program and becomes a client is going to be a self-starter. Uh, you know, let me give you an example. I was in a mindset program last year and I it was a 14, it was two programs back to back. There was a level one, level two, it ended up being 14 weeks. And in both of the levels, we were uh, arranged into accountability pods. So we didn't get to pick our pod. We didn't get to pick the other people in the pod. And we were assigned whether or not we were the leader of our pod by the instructor. And I was chosen to be a leader of a pod. I wasn't even asked. So I was a, a pod leader in someone else's program. And then we switched pods when we did level two. And I was a leader both times. So in level one and level two, I was put into an accountability group. I was the pod leader in both groups. And in the first group, almost everybody in my pod, I think there were four of us, maybe five of us, every single one of us had this kind of leader-like personality. So I didn't really have to be the one that started up all the daily conversations or we were chatting in a group messenger on Facebook every single day. I wasn't the one that was having to like prod people to communicate in there and, and talk. It was just going every single day. I didn't have to do a whole lot of prompting on the calls because all of us sort of had this element of being a leader in our personality. Now, my second group where I was the pod leader, everybody was a little less leader-like and they were a bit more follower-like. They were a little bit quieter and they required a lot more prompting. They had to uh, really count on me to get the conversation going in order for us to all get the most out of the experience. It's just like having accountability pods isn't enough. They have to be led, right? So you couldn't just put a group of adults together because I guarantee you, if I hadn't have been the pod leader in that second group, those people would have just sat and stared at each other, right? It just, you know, I, when I was a high school teacher, I recognized this as well. I was teaching the same subjects. We had the block schedule. So I had three classes that I taught that were 90 minutes first semester. And then second semester, I had three different classes. So over the course of a calendar year in the school, I taught six different groups of kids, but I was teaching the same curriculum for the most part. I think I taught like maybe two different classes or something. But every single one of my groups of students, my classes, they each had their own little personality. I had quieter classrooms. I had louder classrooms. I had rambunctious kids. I had super smart kids. I had kids who struggled. But each group kind of had their own characteristics about them because people are living, breathing, moving organisms. And you cannot, you cannot lead all people through your program in the exact same way because every group you have, every group of clients are going to be a little bit different. So it's important that you have this onboarding strategy. 
So I want to go through these eight phases that you have to move your clients through psychologically, because I think this is really, really valuable information. It'll help you understand your role and responsibility to move them through it. And it all begins with that that onboarding process. So phase one is assess. This is happening at the level of marketing before onboarding. This is when your potential clients are assessing their options prior to making a final decision to buy. Phase two is the admit phase. This is happening at the level of marketing and sales. This is when your potential client admits they have a problem and they believe you can solve it and they decide to buy. The third phase is the affirm phase. And this is happening part in the sales conversation and their decision to buy. And then then it immediately flips into the delivery stage, which is where they're really entering into your onboarding process. This is when clients have buyer's remorse. They have feelings of doubt, fear, and uncertainty. In that phase, phase three, which is the affirm phase, there are two very specific types of communication that you want to have that will help you improve your onboarding process. Communication number one uh, is trust. This is where you are delivering the value promised at the point of the sale. And communication number two needs to be about your team. This is where you introduce the team behind the program, specifically who's going to be interfacing with the clients. So that is creating certain feelings and emotions. When you talk about trust, well, when you're developing trust, it's like, hey, I just paid you. Now give me something. Usually this is going to be in the form of an email that someone gets within 15 minutes of buying and you're delivering a piece or a portion or or all of what they just purchased. They're going to you're going to have more they're going to you're building more certainty, you're building more trust inside of them. Uh you're building more excitement inside of them. You're helping them feel like they made a really good decision because you just made good on your exchange, right? So that's just equal exchange here. And then when you introduce them to your team, even if it's just you, they know that people have my back here. I feel fully supported here. This is a place where I'm going to be well taken care of. I trust that these people know what they're doing. There's a whole team here that, you know, if I ever have an issue, I've got some people that I can call on and I, I know who they are. In terms of the different styles of communication, obviously we have email. Uh, you can pick up the phone and call people or have a team member pick up the phone and call people and welcome them to your program. Uh, you can send gifts in the mail. You know, you could send physical products that go along with what they just purchased from you. Sometimes people are selling uh, their coaching programs and education programs at a live event where you are in person with people. If you have people at a live event who are purchasing on the spot, their onboarding experience starts in the room. So you really need to think about what you're going to do with the people who purchase from you at an in-person live event, because that is when you are building trust and really introducing them to some of your team right there on the spot. You also have the communication tool of video and then snail mail. So there are six different opportunities or six different ways of communicating. You don't have to do all of them all the time for each one of your communications. You can do one of them or you could do more than one of them. It's your choice. Doesn't really matter. Okay, we're still going through these eight phases that Joey Coleman has in his book, I Never Lose a Customer Again. And phase four, after the affirm phase, is called the activate phase. This is obviously, they've already purchased. This is in the delivery phase. This is in the onboarding phase. 
This is the first major post-sale interaction that you're going to have with your client. This is really the start of the service. This is when you're going to have your initial kickoff meeting and first impression for the client, and you are rebuilding trust all over again. There are two specific ways that you can uh, improve your onboarding process uh, through communication in the activate phase. And that is communication number three. So we already shared communication number one is trust. Communication number two is about team. And communication number three is overcome objections. And what you want to do here is identify the number one reason why clients quit or disengage inside of your program. So if you're someone who's been running your program for a while, you have been able to collect the data and document. Why do people start falling off? And at what point do they fall off? Write that down because you want to address it before it even happens to your new clients. Tell your new clients the story of why they should be a highly engaged client. Now we think, well, they're an adult. Don't they know this? They should know this. They do not. They are not thinking this way at all, even if they are the smartest person in the room. You have to tell them these things. Communication number four you can use to improve your onboarding process is to overcome misconceptions that your new clients are going to have. What do they need to believe to be successful with what you deliver? What do they need to believe to be successful with what you deliver? Now, we're all so good at identifying what does what does a buyer need to believe in order to buy from me? What do they need to believe about me, about themselves, and about what I am offering, my product or program? We have that down pat, and we talk about it in spades at the level of marketing and sales. But then when we get the client, it's like, oh, well, I got the client. I don't have to I don't have to get them to believe anything now. They're in. They paid their money. No, you have to get them to rebelieve all over again and again and again and again and again once they become your client. And again, here, identify the misconceptions that lead to frustration. So, what are the misconceptions that you have noticed and documented about past clients, misconceptions and frustrations that they have once they get inside the program and they you're asking them to do the work, what are the misconceptions that they have? I'll give an example. I'll use the same uh, mindset program that I was in. One of the biggest misconceptions that our instructor helped us overcome in, I believe, was our very first session, actually. She got us to believe... So everybody's misconception about thoughts is that every single thought we have is a fact. And if we believe that all of our thoughts are facts, then we believe we are that thought and that we pretty much can't change it. And so if we went through this whole entire program, believing that every single one of our thoughts were facts, we would be very frustrated the entire program and it would not work for us. Well, she had to overcome that misconception that thoughts are facts or every single thought we're thinking is a fact or else we would have been, we would not have been successful in the program. So that's what I mean by what are the misconceptions about the topics you're teaching or about your subject matter that your clients have again and again and again that you've noticed over the period of the last few years that you've been working with clients? Address it with your new clients. Uh, another thing you want to do at the stage of activation in your onboarding process is please create a personalized client growth plan for every single one of your clients. You have to consider that Every single one of your clients has unique goals and needs. Not every single client. So if you've got 100 clients going through your program and you have a particular promise, 
not every single client necessarily has the same goals or needs, and you need to find out what they are. Having a personalized client growth plan creates more personalization and the feeling of personalization for your client, which is really important. It helps your team better assist each client when they have personalized client growth plans on every single one of your clients. It creates a sense of accountability and progress. And it's very motivating for your clients. I should probably do an entire podcast episode on what a client growth plan is and how to develop that. So we'll we'll put that in to do. Uh, the other, a little bit more about your client growth plan. It will, this is really what you should include inside of your client growth plan. Number one, you want to assess your client's current situation. Find out what their goals are for the entire program create success milestones related to their goals, create timelines, resources, and support systems for them, and then also establish what your check-ins are going to be. A lot of this you could do in an intake form. Uh, Something else you want to include in intake forms is ask how they like to receive feedback, find out what would make the program an unbelievable success for the client, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and financially find out why they joined the program, and find out how they like to celebrate their goals when achieved. That can all be part of your client growth plan. Phase five is acclimate. Obviously, this is still really part of your onboarding process. This is when your clients are learning about your way of doing business and you get them bought into your approach. You can't wait until your program's halfway over to get them bought into your approach. You've got to do that in the onboarding process. And how can you improve your onboarding process at the stage of acclimate. Well, communication number five is when. What is the single fastest way to experience a benefit in your program? Tell them. Tell your clients how to get a win inside of your program. They don't know. You know. So tell them. They're going to be so much more successful and so more likely to get that win if you tell them how to do it. And what is the outcome of implementing that benefit. So what is the outcome of your clients actually doing the work and implementing what you're asking them to implement? What are those benefits going to be? What is the outcome on the other side going to be? And communication number six is simplify. Make the result your clients want look attainable and aspirational. Create a roadmap to deliver the outcome. Now, when you sold the client into the program, you probably sold them on the fact that you have some sort of framework or step-by-step roadmap inside of the program. Remind them of what it is. You're not teaching them anything here. You're just showing them, hey, look, I have the system. I have the framework. I have the roadmap. I have the pathway. I've been down it. I've helped thousands of clients go down this pathway before. Here it is again. This is the six-step process. Let me lay it out for you. If you will plug yourself into step one, two, three, four, five, six, do the work, ask the question, show up. I promise you, if you implement and take action in this sequence, in this order, following this timing, you're going to get results. We have got it all figured out for you. So you don't have to make the same mistakes that I made. You're just reminding them to plug into your system because everybody's going to try to you know, plug in 50 other coaches' systems into yours, and it's going to be a mess. All right. Phase six out of the eight is accomplish. 
This is when the client achieves the result they wanted. This is still happening during onboarding. We are still really and truly in the first 30 days of this person being a client at this point. In the first 30 days of a person being a client in your program, they need to get a win, right? So the client achieves the result they wanted in the first 30 days of the program, not the result they wanted at the end of the program, but you've got to get them some kind of result. It doesn't have to be huge but you're going to find out what result they wanted in the first 30 days when you do your personalized client growth plan, because you're going to find out the success milestone they have to reach in the first 30 days to be on track to get the result they ultimately want at the end of the program. But by the end of the first 30 days, the client has received incredible value and has reached their first goal or success milestone. That is so important. If you can get a client some kind of really great win that is going to get them closer to their ultimate goal by the end of the program, they are 10 times more likely to stay in your ecosystem once that program is over. Now, how can you improve the onboarding process at the accomplished stage? This is communication number seven and eight, proof and feedback. So proof is introduce your new clients to your most successful clients. And I I hear this all the time. I hear people say, well, I put so many testimonials and case studies in front of them before they join the program. You want me to do that again? They already know it. They already saw it. Yeah, I want you to do it again. I want you to do it again because they forgot and they've got to be reminded. And this is really about positioning maybe some of your existing star students, star clients, maybe that are in higher level programs now, but they took this program once before, or maybe they're six months further along than your new clients. Put some of those current clients that you're already working with who've already gone through this program in front of your existing clients and show them what's possible because they have forgotten because now they're feeling the pain of what it's like to have to do the hard work to get the result in your program. So you have to keep reminding them and you have to keep repeating and giving them evidence and examples of success so they are reminded that it is possible for them too. They just have to keep going. This is so critical to do in the onboarding process. And communication number eight is feedback. Gather client feedback at the end of the onboarding process. Do not forget to do this. It is so critical because you can find out so early on within the first 30 to 45 days exactly how your client feels about their experience and satisfaction and results in your program. And remember, when, I, when I'm saying communication, I just gave you eight forms of communication or topics of communication to include in your onboarding process. There are six different styles or formats or mediums of communication, email, phone, a gift, in-person, video, snail mail. Doesn't matter which one you choose. And for each one of these forms of communication, you can actually communicate it with them using multiples of those six different mediums or formats or just one. It's totally your choice. So the client experience is now the number one way to differentiate yourself, your program, and your brand. Plus, it's profitable. Client experience is number one. It's so much harder these days to differentiate yourself through marketing or through sales. Your product and your service delivery is should be your number one priority. Always, always client experience. That is what is going to drive new customers to you. Does it take longer? Yes. Is that part of the long game? Yes. Is it the easiest thing to do? No. Is it where everybody wants to spend their time because they get instant gratification? 
No, but it is going to allow you to win in the long run. So create a client onboarding strategy, number one, personalize the client experience, number two, and number three, improve and innovate and iterate the future. I hope you loved this episode. You can tell I love talking about this topic. I think that client experience is, honestly, it's probably the number one most missed opportunity in the coaching and education space. So you and your team should absolutely be doubling down on how you can improve, innovate, and iterate your programs in the future. So if you loved this episode, I want to hear from you. Leave us a review and let us know what you loved about this episode. And also, if you loved it, the number one way for us to get into the ears and minds and lives of other incredible people just like you is for you to share this episode. So however you heard about this show, Built to Last, whether you saw it on Instagram or Facebook or someone shared an episode with you, share it. Share it on Instagram. Share it on Facebook. However you found out about this show, we would appreciate it so much. As you can hear, we don't do ads. We don't have sponsors. I don't do a lot of selling on the show. So pretty much the only way that we get more listeners is by our current listeners sharing it out with other people. Be sure to tag me, Megan J. Huber, when you share it out so I can also give you a shout out. But I would appreciate it so much if you could help us expand our reach. Until next time, remember to design your business and life so that it is built to last. See you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.